I'm, 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 I'm at the bank, beating it down, beating right before I make all my rounds. Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. It's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 87. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 87 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. Debron James. And we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaging with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all of the love and all the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there battling this COVID still. And finally, thank you to all the people who are out here using their voices to affect change in a positive way. We always, 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 always have to start the shows with the thank yous because the thank yous are very, very, very important. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com B-R-O-N-X-B-I-A-S-P-O-D dot M-Y-S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com. Bronx Bias Pod dot MyShopify dot com. Come check it out. Come fuck with me on there. I've got hoodies. I've got t-shirts. I've got tote bags. I've got COVID masks and I've got stickers with much, much, much more to come. As I've said for one million and more times on here, I'm an independent potter from the BXNY, and supporting the merch is just one of the best ways to help keep the podcast going the way that it does. I don't have any sponsorships or any deals as of yet, so all of the love and support I receive from you guys on the merchandise is vitally important to the show, and I sincerely, sincerely, sincerely appreciate every single person who has purchased some merchandise from me. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you guys. And 
with all of that being said, we are going to have a great, great, great show today. Fully, fully, fully packed. And I'm in an amazing mood. I'm in a tremendous mood. And I am ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was an amazing, amazing, amazing song by two great artists out here in this hip-hop game. It is called Prada the Bang by IDK and Young Thug off of the album You See For Yourself. And I, every time I talk about IDK, the artist, I have to say this. Shout out to my guy Marlon for putting me on to IDK. I had never heard of this person a day in my life. He hit me one day and told me to listen to him. And this album, You See For Yourself, is one of the best of 2021. It was in my top albums of the year last year. Shout out to Marlon and shout out to IDK for this great ass music. When I first heard this song, this song, I was like, damn, this shit is fire fire and i was like i need to find a place to put this in my show i need you guys to hear how fire this song is and hopefully you guys liked it just as much as me shout out to idk great album if you haven't heard it i suggest that you listen to it i think you guys will really like it and idk is actually really nice with the bars so check it out if you haven't heard it shout out to idk and young now it is time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast, and it is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show, just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx fact for today is the Bronx County Historical Society, founded in 1955, and located at 3309 Bainbridge Avenue, is a private, nonprofit, educational, and cultural institution chartered by the New York State Board of Regents. The society is dedicated to the collection, preservation, documentation, and interpretation of the history and heritage of the Bronx and its people from its earliest references in the 17th century to the present. The society disseminates information by utilizing its collections in exhibitions, historical research, publications, documentaries, and cultural programming to share the history and lineage of the borough. For more information and to see how to visit or donate to the society, you can visit their website at www.bronxhistoricalsociety.org. And that is your Bronx Fact. For episode number 87. Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, all right. We're getting right to it today. We have a very, 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 very special guest. It's only special guests that appear here on the Bronx Bias podcast. But today, we have special guest Michael Graham, who is an author a writer and the founder of Kizmo Publishing. Michael, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to me today. How are you? Happy New Year. 
Hey, thank you very much. Happy New Year to you as well, Denzel. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Not a problem. We got to have you on, man. You got a lot of good stuff coming out. Um, so we got to make sure we get that up. We got to get that right. So we got to talk to you. So, Michael, can you tell the people where are some of the places that you could be reached if they want to get in contact with you or see all of the work that you do? All right. So you can uh, you can find myself or or my work on uh, Facebook under Michael Graham or Instagram. And uh, lastly, you can also see me on you can go to my website, kismopublishing.com. What is your Instagram handle for uh, the people out there? (laughs) So my Instagram handle is uh, the most interesting man in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but and and it's spelled with a with with a a T H A, not T H E. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Hey, you gotta you gotta believe. If you don't believe that in yourself, who gonna believe it in you? I I like that. I'm the most interested man in the world. I, I like that. Sir, working every day, dedicated to the notion. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, Michael, the first thing I like to talk to people about is COVID, because COVID is like the thing that has changed our world the most in the least amount of time. And it has affected people in a multitude of different ways. So for you, how has COVID affected you personally? And also, how has COVID affected you in your craft? How has it affected your ability to write and put out other works I'm dealing with all the issues that come along with COVID. All right. So, uh, I mean, if I had to speak on COVID, um, there's a lot to say about COVID. And there's a lot that is not being said about COVID. But uh, for me personally, COVID has really had no effect on my life, except for the uh, other than the fact that I live in Germany, where we're living under constant uh, quarantines and requirements for the FPP2 mask. Um, outside of that, it is a really no concern to me. I usually don't like to, uh, you know, change my focus outside of anything that of what I'm doing. See, as far as I'm concerned, all things are usable. So when back in 2019, when we first uh, were quarantined here, you know, I thought to myself, well, hey, this is the perfect opportunity because there will be no more distractions. All the bars are closed. All the clubs are closed. Um, And so I just took it as a chance to really get focused and uh, get down to work. And as a result, I've created my my two latest uh, my two latest pieces. Do you think that? Do you think that COVID has changed the world for better or for worse? Because like you, I had the same idea in my head. I said, I always wanted to do something like a podcast. I always wanted to have the microphone in my face. And then when COVID invaded the U.S., it gave me a lot of time. I had so much time that I didn't have before because you had to lock down and everything. So it really helped me to cultivate the show, to get my concepts, to understand how a lot of things work. So I took that in the sense of it was a positive thing because it really expanded my mind. But also Mm -hmm. dealing with now with mandates and people are uncomfortable with that and also with all the death and the long term effects of it. So as a whole, in your opinion, do you view COVID as a positive or do you view it as a negative as a whole? For the average person, it's probably a negative. But for me, I see it as pure opportunity. I see it as a chance to, uh, like I said, uh, really get down and dirty and focusing on just like you, focusing on what it is that I'm trying to do. But as far as 
what it does as um, for the overall perspective on humanity and the gullibility, well, it doesn't really give us a good look, I think. You know, uh, one plus one, Denzel, it always equals two. And here we have COVID equaling five. And uh, to go right along with that, it, like, it, and this is the part that I mean where it says it gives the overall perspective of humanity and the ability to be uh, manipulated and uh, persuaded through fear. Well, it just see just how possible it is to make total, utter nonsense seem rational. But this is just for me, in my opinion. I mean, it's not. I'm not here to say, you know, uh, that it's not real or that it is, because obviously it is. In fact, I just lost two friends of mine the other day. But typically, all my friends were always older than me, so they were around 70 years old. And so it's just it's not something to be feared, uh, because once it is, once it is, it then makes you able to be controlled. And you know, you definitely should always be self-aware and exercise a certain level of self-control, which are some of the some of the things in which my books will will help an individual to uh, to generate and eventually master. So uh, I want to learn about more about you. I want to learn about your journey. I want you to tell us more about everything that goes into your process and things that have helped you along the way. So. My first question for you in that regard is what inspired you to start your career in writing and also what inspired you to start your career with publishing? Well, I've always wanted to uh I've always wanted to write uh to write. I noticed at a young age that I uh I you know talked a bit differently uh to the point where I was often made fun of because uh I like to use grammatically correct uh sentences and you know all those type of things and so one of my actually one of my life ambitions were to eventually write a book on my life though and given the climate of the the world today I found reason to uh, to write on topics other than myself that would uh, additionally assist others, um, which is how I came about to these two um, books. But um, and it's also part of the reason why I call myself the most interesting man in the world uh, on my Instagram is because it's part of my life mission to to live a life exemplary of one that should be written about and or remembered. Okay, so you you. Sometimes I've I've heard the notion that like certain people know what they want to be from when they're like children, small, small children. So would you say that you knew from the earliest memories in your mind that you, that writing would be in your future? Uh, well, yes, I would definitely say it was. Like I said before, it was one of my uh, bucket list <laughs> things to do. And really, it was uh, the, the large uh, the majority of it was that. I was very much exposed to all the things in which I didn't want in my life. And so I was kind of forced to create a, a goal, an objective, and then to go for it because the right. alternative was unacceptable on, on any level to any degree. Right. I hear that. I hear that. I, I always, I, I kind of feel the same way. Like ever since I was a kid, I've been a talkative talkative person like that was always what i would do all the time 
And, you know, even it would be on my report cards, like Denzel's a great student, but he talks too much. And I always had that (laughs) idea, like, Uh yo, if I if I had, you know, a lot of control over my life or if I could write out my life in a in a perfect world, it would be me doing some kind of thing where I'm talking to people. And Mm -hmm. I just, you know, when I finally, you know, got all the information and had the guts to start my show, I really just felt like this was my purpose in life. So. You know, I like when I hear from other people who are doing their own thing in the entrepreneurial space, like they really feel like this is their life mission and they feel compelled to, you know, do what they can to elevate themselves in the field that they want. Sometimes you see it a lot where people sacrifice their dreams in order to chase the dollar or in order Mm -hmm. just maybe to provide in a monetary sense. So they take jobs or they do careers that they're really not interested in just because it's paying the bills. I think one of the biggest things from COVID has shown so many people that, you know, life is so fragile. You should want to be doing the things that make you happy before it ultimately is your time to go. That's one of the things I've learned the most from this time is I'm doing all this. I'm working all these jobs. I'm doing all this corporate stuff and I have no love for it whatsoever. And I finally got that final like push to say, yo, why mm-hmm. don't you just try? Because really, in when you even as a kid, you knew this was something that you wanted. You shouldn't sacrifice mm-hmm. your dreams and your and your aspirations because you think it may not work. You have to make it work, and that's one of the biggest things I learned from COVID. And I, and I agree hundred percent. You know how they say there are those who arise to the challenge, and then there are those who who succumb to challenges. Mm, you know. Word. Straight up. That is that is 100%. That's true. That is true. So, Michael, can you tell us about the two latest books that you have published? Um, what are their titles? And also, what are they about? What is what is the deeper meaning that you want people to find when they read your latest two works? Yeah, absolutely, Denzel. So, my there are actually a, a set of, of books that are supposed to be bundled together. The first one is called The Art of Self-Mastery. And the second one is many habits equal big change. And they are combined together uh, because of the fact that if one is able to first learn to control themselves, their thoughts, their and how they think and bring themselves to a center of focus, well, then you are then able to uh, correctly identify what you're doing, such as habits, um, and then how to create uh and then um execute beneficial uh actions or habits as we call them um so these two books uh which you'll notice that the covers are one is red and the other one is green the first one the art of self-master is red because you're supposed to stop and think get that all together the whole mind and the whole idea of self and this came about mainly because I noticed um, I, I used to I used to serve in the military, and a lot of a number of my friends were uh, they were diagnosed with PTSD. And with this, a lot of times you find yourself living in the past or or you know reoccurring traumas. And one of the ways to deal with that, well, from my opinion, would be to learn to how to um how to not of course you have to live with it but 
how to see it from a different perception and then learn to restructure it to a more beneficial thought pattern. And once you then identify these thought patterns, again, you are then the second book, which is green, because then it's time for action. It's time for go. And in this go time, you are able to take the action of changing what you're doing into something more positive, more beneficial, more productive. And ultimately, as the set, as it is a set, it changes your you and your life. So um, how did you get the idea that these were the types of books that you wanted to work on this time? Did you just apply these principles in your life and see the change and you felt that people would really benefit from reading these books? Or did you, you know, undergo some program where you really learn these techniques? Like, how did you get inspired to write these two latest pieces? Yeah, okay. So usually when I write a book, I'm writing it uh, with all honesty. I'm writing them for me based on my life situations and what I'm going through. And I, my thought is that, you know, why should I go out and why shouldn't I just simply do the research and then write my own thoughts about it and teach myself? Because if I can do them, you know, then certainly other people can. I cannot go about and telling other people what, uh, suggesting to others what, what is and what is not if I myself am not able to practice them. So to be honest with you, I've had this, this book has been The Art of Self-Mastery and both um, Many Habits Even Big Change. They have been completed for, I'd say back in June or July, I had them complete. And then I found it that it was necessary for me to reread my work and then exercise some of these ideas based on life situations in which I was encountering. And if I were able to utilize these books in my life situation and still overcome and come back to center and then turn these situations into productivity or something productive, well, then certainly I should, I'll, you know, introduce these ideas and these books to others. So uh, I most certainly do use these same uh, principles and concepts in my own life, and they're based off of my own life experiences with the idea that they would help others who may be going through something similar so that they too can enjoy life in itself. As we only get one, there's no reason to spend it in a way that is not um, a way in which we don't want to live it, you know? This is yours. Right. You're one one. So your only and your only responsibility truthfully in life. I mean, I know we say it's to pay taxes and die, but it's not. It's to in my opinion, it is to live a life that is productive for you and one that is worth being member being remembered. Hey, yeah. And and I I agree with that. Like uh, like we were talking about with COVID, like that it really became like a solid ideal that i would carry on like i'm living this life for me to be happy and i need to mm -hmm. do whatever it takes for that because my life does not revolve around a nine to five or it's not revolve around quote unquote things that i have to be doing it revolves around what makes me happy and that mm -hmm. is how i'm gonna live the best version of this life so i'm right with you with that i am right with yes, you on sir. that and you know that's actually it's your it's your it's your right it is your life right to live your best version of this life. 
And because it's your right. I mean, you know, people don't you don't walk around and beg and say please for things that are naturally yours. You take them or you demand them and then you exercise them. Very true. Very true. Well, then good. That piggybacks me right into my next question for you. How important is it to you, Michael, to tell your own story? Um, one of the reasons why I put the title of the show, The Bronx Bias Podcast, is I live in the Bronx, New York, and I re I saw how many people had a negative view of the Bronx, the place that I call home. So it was very important to me to have a show where I only showcase myself, not only showcase myself and other people around me, but I also showcase my hometown and you know all the great things that come from it. So I really thought that that was important. If I start a show, I not only want to talk about Denzel or talk to people that I want to talk to, but I also want to talk about where I'm from. So in your opinion, as a man who has been all over the world, um, how important is it to you to tell your own story? Okay, well, as far as I'm concerned, telling your own story is only as important as to the degree it benefits yourself and others. You know, everybody, everybody feels themselves important um, to some degree. And, but the fact of the matter is that we generally are not as important to others as we believe ourselves to be. However, if we are able to um, ignite some sort of some soul to one degree or the other in a, in a beneficial way, you know, like we're not going to say positive or, or negative because everybody has different, uh, they value things differently. <clears throat> so because people value things differently, you really have to go back to the self and say, how does this benefit me to tell my story? Will it encourage my children? Will it show them the way uh, between the illusions and what's real in life and, and or, or not? And so um, it all depends on what you experience, what you do, and what and in what way it will affect others. And this is why I say I, I try to make it a point to live my life to to the point where it it is worth me telling the story, or it is it is worth someone remembering me, or even worth someone even crying over me once I'm once I'm gone. You know, if there was no added value, what is the point? At what age did you sort of figure that out? Like, where you know, so I would say I really figured my my stuff out two years ago. So I wasn't that I was 26 when I figured it out. Um, mm -hmm. At what age would you say that you figured that out in teenage years or in your early adult years? Or was it a more recent thing that you figured that sort of life ideal out or that life that way to live life out okay so um for me it was kind of thrust upon me uh in my earlier years but it didn't really take uh full effect to the severity of of, of what it actually meant until i was about to, i'd say 19 you know about 19 is when i actually uh i had a uh you know death experience you know i'm I'm originally from the D.C. area, and back then, you know, I'm 40 years old. So back then, that was probably like the late 90s. You know, we, it was a real-life type deal. You know, we didn't have all this Internet stuff, and, you know, people were actually doing real things and real-life things, and you had to back it up and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And I found myself uh, 
thinking that perhaps this is going to be my last day on this earth. And um, upon that realization, you know, uh, that's when I, I, I finally had to accept the idea that I had done nothing. I had been nowhere. There would be no reason for anyone to regret me not existing any longer. And so that's when I realized that, well, then I guess we better get to work on living, you know, live. But I mean, because it's a very big difference between someone simply being alive and someone who's living, you know, living gives you all types of life experiences. And these things, kind of like how you how you were just saying a little a little while earlier about uh, you know Kobe, you realize, hey, let me get on my let me get on this thing, doing what I what I always wanted to do. Forget this nine to five stuff. Yeah, like living living will help you to realize that the experiences are really the most valuable things in life. In fact, uh, I would go for, so far as to say that the things that are that are that actually have real value and carry real real weight in this life are not even tangible you know they they are the experiences they are they are character characteristics you know things of that nature so yeah it was about that time how now how did that feel though in that moment right you have your experience and you realize dang like i really haven't done anything were you sort of discouraged that you hadn't done anything to that point? Or did you see it as just, no, this is day, my new life starts right now. And this is day one of it. Yeah. Cause originally I was highly disappointed in myself because as I told you earlier, you know, I had already realized it was thrust at a very early age, you know, what, how life could be and what life is for me at the current situation and the fact that it really was up to me not my mom my dad or any president or anyone who who assumed authority over me um and the fact that i had done nothing about it telling myself well i'm just going to wait until i get older well that time had already passed and yeah i was just highly disappointed in the fact that i wasn't even willing to back up my word to myself and who should anything matter more? Uh, whose word should matter more to me than me? My own word. So I was highly disappointed. And then, I, you know, I made a promise to self saying that uh, should I wake up tomorrow, I will ensure that every day following will be one that I live to the fullest, knowing full well now that I must die. And it could come at any day. And, you know, it, it could, it's either going to be painful or it's not, but it's still coming. So from that moment on, I just decided, like, you know what? Like, you might notice my sweatshirt. No college. Hustle hard. In my mind, I don't need a job. I don't even need a degree because degrees are for people who are looking for jobs. And my intention is not to be employed, but to be the employer. I mean, what's the sense of spending all this time going to learn something? that the people that you want to work for, that they know as well, and having the same opportunities, the same, uh, the same, same everything, what sense would it make for me then to go be employed by the people that I'm equal to and to accept the idea of, of sub, subservitude and we're all equal? Nah, not going to happen. 
that's basically conceding to the idea that you that you are not that you have no value. And if you recognize and see yourself as one is with value, well, then you're going to either rise to the challenge or succumb to it. And I decided to rise to it, no matter what. Just as just as I was willing to find myself in that position to where I could have where I could have left this earth, I was equally as willing to do all the other things necessary to ensure that I that I'm here, but here in a in a way that it's meaningful if, to no one else, at least to me, and then like to that. share this information for future generations that will come after me, specifically my own bloodline, though. Yeah. <laughs> But should others get the info, more power. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like that, man. I like that because I, I, I really feel the same way. You know, I feel like, you know, the idea of college is like a sort of an umbrella. Like everybody needs to do it. Everybody has to be covered underneath it. Mm-hmm. But there are certain people who that does not work well for. So if you're someone who who doesn't feel like you need it. Okay. That's fine to think that. I just think that the idea that every single person when they turn 18 has to go to college and pay all the much money it costs and all this stuff. I'm not saying that education is bad. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying that it's funny how it's something that everybody should, or they make you believe that everybody should do like everybody should Mm -hmm. go to college. Everybody should take out these loans because the degree is supposed to help you gain good employment. But what if your dream is not to work? What if your dream is to be a writer? What if your dream is to be an artist? What if your dream is to be a designer? Like, what? how is this going to help you? How is incurring all this debt from these loans going to help you fund your dream? What if you just took the time, made a plan, and went after it in an entrepreneurial sense? I, I 100%, I, that resonates with me 100% because I realized... Mm-hmm in my time in school and in my time in the corporate world, like one, you know, I only went to school because everyone told me I should go to school. And two, Mm -hmm. the thing that I want to do, I didn't need a college degree to learn how to plug this microphone in. I didn't need a college degree to, you know, find people who are interested and reach out to them and have um, fulfilling conversations with. Although I do, I see the value of it in certain respects. I don't think it's something that every single person should subscribe to that idea of I need to go here because it's Mm. going to help me. You have to look in the mirror and say, well, what do I want to do with my life? And is this a stepping stone that I need to take in it? I 100 percent. I'm with you on that. I'm 100 percent with you. And that's where and that that's where my my two books come into play, because they teach you to learn to think for yourself. Are your ideas actually yours or are they just being or are they just something that you heard and then you're repeating it because now you accept it and believe it is yours? Right. You understand? So and, and of course, and I also want to clarify, too, I'm not saying that I have anything against any type of higher education, right. you know, information, but understand the difference between information and education. Mm-hmm. You know, information is what you're going to is what you're getting educated to have. So if you can just cut out all that middleman stuff and go straight to the point of obtaining the information and more importantly, understanding how to utilize the information, well, which one would you say is more valuable? 
Exactly. And plus, you don't get the debt. Right. <laughs> and right. plus, you don't get the debt. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, my next question for you is, what are some of the obstacles that you had to overcome when you first started writing, when you first tried to, when you first started self-publishing? What were some of the biggest hurdles that you had to jump through um, to get your things off the ground and to have people able to read your work? Well, for me, I've, I've found that I was my own obstacle in most things. I mean, because I like to, I like to, in every situation, I'm always asking myself, which part did I play? To what degree did what I do affect the situation and what can I do to improve it or make it better? So I found that I was my own obstacle. See, I have this, that, that whole notion of it has to be just right. Perfectionism, long story short. Um, this one and um, um, being distracted, you know, like I live in Europe. I mean, it's a lot of little pretty babies out here. And because it is, it's quite easy to get uh, distracted out here. Trust me. You know, I'm a charismatic type. So I most certainly like to go out there and hit them with a womp that a womp womp and just see what kind of results I'll get. It's, it's, it's really fun for me. <laughs> Very fun. It's entertaining. So, uh, you know, but, you know, once I was able to, and this is where also where I was saying earlier about uh, I saw COVID as an opportunity to reduce the distractions because there was no longer an option. Everybody sitting in the house. I mean, literally sitting in the house over here. So, uh, yeah, the distraction, that still all boils back to the self, though. Because I'm the one who's taking the action to go out there and play my part in the distraction. So yeah, I'm myself in my own in my own obstacle. But just as I'm my own obstacle, I can also be my own solution, which is the beauty of it. Right. So how do you pivot from focusing on the problem entirely and to and then start to move toward the solution? Like how did how how did you figure out or when did you figure out that? Focusing on the problem does you no good that I need to now pivot into what the solution is. How can we become more solution-based instead of problem-oriented? Okay, so I would say the first step is always to be able to identify it as a non-beneficial uh, uh, problem or habit. And this is, this is dealt with in my book, The Many Habits Equal Big Change. You know, being able to identify what is and what is not working for you. And then once you're able to identify it, then you want to take, you know, you want to uh, take very small steps or use it because to simply say to get rid of it, it it's, it's basically lying to yourself and then it'll just come right back and nip you in the butt every time in full force in effect. So what you want to do is you want to gradually, uh, you know, use either moderation until you're ultimately eliminated. Are there are there more than one approach to is there more than one approach to solving a certain problem? Like, is there one bona fide series of moves that you can make to fix a certain thing? Or does each solution uh, depend on what problem it is? Yeah, well. It all depends. Like you said, it depends on what the problem is or what the situation is. But in many cases, there are multiple ways to, to reach the same conclusion. Uh, however, the process in which you have to use in order to get there, that is always the same. And this is, once again, going back to many habits equaling big change, is done through moderation or gradual 
gradually is always the best process. Right. Right. I agree. You'll find this in the book um, as well as, you know, how to properly uh, respond instead of reacting to the problem efforts or in order to make it beneficial for the individual. Right. Right. And so this is book, it looks, it sounds like this book is a very good read. It'll give you a lot of oh, techniques. And I, hey, I highly recommend it, not just because I wrote it and published it, but because it actually, you will actually find it useful and uh, it will, and you literally can use it to change your life. Like I said, I, I found myself utilizing these, these concepts and ideas specifically so that I would be able to find myself in an interview with someone like you today, Denzel, and look how well it worked out, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you figured that stuff out because you got Absolutely. a lot of good information. And I think that a lot of people could take something from it and learn from it. That's what I like. Absolutely. I like bringing people on who figure their stuff out and go out, mm-hmm. go out and try to get it on their own. And when you you know what one thing I've learned in this small time that I've been doing the show is how much things that you accumulate, how much knowledge you accumulate in the small mm-hmm. time where you do something. So before I ever started recording, I didn't know nothing about mics. So, but mm-hmm. now if someone asks me about a mic, I know what type to tell them. I know what type I work well with, what type I don't work well with. And it's just how much knowledge you accumulate in a short amount of time when you open your mm-hmm. mind to different things and things that are outside of the norm. You know, nobody right. I knew personally ever did anything like a podcast, but I had to take that in and say, well, if this is something I want, I need to do the research and how much I will learn in this process of doing it. So now I wouldn't yeah. call myself an expert, but I know so much more about recording and podcasting than the average guy, literally because mm-hmm. I took that approach and said, I want to learn about this. I'm going to learn about this. And then I'm going to have this come out as my show. I'm, I'm going to apply all the things that I learned and make this into my show where I talk to people about their craft. So it literally all comes full circle. Yes, indeed it does though. And the way you explained it, it sounds like it wasn't, uh, you know, from one day to the next type process, but it was, as I was saying a few moments ago, it's a gradual thing. Yep. You identified the situation and then you went about it in a rational, logical manner and gradually you learned it. And now, once again, here we are. That's right. That's right. So, um, Michael, what advice would you give to a young person um, if you found out they wanted to start their own business, their own creation, their own book, write their own book or start their own movement? What are some things that you would give out to the youth as great pieces of advice for uh people who want to get out and be entrepreneurs or people who just want to uh, take their lives more into their own hands? All right. Well, I would say do it. Simple as that. Don't hesitate. Just do it. Um, oh, and more importantly, enjoy it though. Look at it as, look at it as fun. Tell yourself, yo, this is fun. It's a game. Go play. But most importantly, do it. See, I myself, I mean, I'm a habitual envelope pusher, you know? So once I do something and it's complete, hey, I got to move to the next one, you know? And my whole concept, my whole idea is that, you know, you start it, you do it, and you just keep going with it. And you push that envelope and you keep pushing until you push that envelope off the desk onto the floor. 
but don't trip because guess what? It's way more space on the floor, which means it's way bigger, better, more opportunity just sitting there. So keep pushing, man. Keep pushing the envelope. Don't stop. That's right. I like that. That's true. And everything you're saying, I think about my experience, right? I think about you know, where I was at when I first started to where I am now. And it's literally just a result of me tr- keep going forward step by mm-hmm. step by step by step, not putting a cap on who I can talk to or what I can talk about and just keeping all of my options open and continuing to grow in this space. Everything you're saying is just like, I'm thinking about my own experience, my mm-hmm. time in this space. And it's just like, yo, these are the things that I literally had to do in order to get to the point where I'm at now. So 100%. I'm with you on everything that you're saying. A habitual mm-hmm. envelope press pusher. I like that. I'm going to start using that. I'm a habitual envelope pusher. I like That's that. That's right. That's right. Don't forget to send my check on that. Though. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. That's a bet. So, Michael, my next question for you is, what mm-hmm. keeps you motivated in this space? For me, it's just Something like today, just having the opportunity to talk to a person who I think is interesting or talk to a person who has done something incredible, like self-published a number of books. Like I just think that is a amazing feat. And for me, the motivation comes from just the opportunity to get to talk to you, the opportunity to get to interact with so many different types of people from all walks of life. That really excites me and makes me really happy that I'm in this space where I'm doing a podcast. So -hmm. for you... What keeps you motivated? What keeps you um, in in the notepad, writing new ideas and trying to come up with new concepts? What is one of your chief motivations to keep doing what you're doing? Well, I'll be honest with you, Giselle. For me, the the thoughts they never stop. You know, it's a uh, it's constant, ever always going ideas and just intricate notions and it's just. It never stops, man. I got one of those minds where it's highly active, which was one of the reasons why I had to write the, the Art of Self-Mastery, because if you constantly have an idea that never stop, and it's like, what's the point of having these all these ideas if you're never going to do anything with them? So if you learn to master yourself and how to utilize these ideas and thoughts, well, then to what, how far is the distance in which you can go? You see... My perception is that life in itself is it's nothing more than just a game, man. It's all just a big game, the game that we call life. And money is your point system. And all the people in the game, all the people that you encounter, they're just players in the game. And the objective, like any other game, is to win. So don't you want to win the game? Yes. And this is what keeps me motivated, winning the game. I mean, ultimately, by default, we all lose. But while we're playing the game, play it to the best of your ability. Why not win while you're winning? That's right. I like that. Life is a game. It is true. They call it the game of life. And That's there right. are, I, you know, it's funny because my name is Denzel. Somebody told me a long time ago, you think of your life as a movie because my name is Denzel. <laughs> um, okay. I so, like that. So, uh, you know, you're the main character, you know, you have the most lines, you're in the most scenes, right? You have the most activity in the movie because it's about you. But along the way, there are supporting characters in it who will be at one, be in your life at one part and exit at one other part. But they were just a supporting character. It's really about what you do and how you respond and the decisions you make 
and how it progresses your movie. And I was Absolutely. just like, wow, that's a very interesting, very interesting way to look at it. And I'm sure they only thought thought to say it to me because my name is Denzel. But even <laughs> in that, there's a point that someone had to tell me that, like that had to happen mm. to me to gain okay. that level of understanding. You. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like very interesting, the things that you encounter, the, the people that you meet and the way that you approach certain things, because it's all, you know, it's all the footage, if you will, for your movie, mm -hmm. or it's all the controls for the game that you are playing. Exactly. I agree. And that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Highly interesting. Yep, you're the own you're the you're your own star in your own movie. That's right. And which, what role are you gonna play, or what kind of movie are you gonna make it? Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Is it gonna be an action movie? Is it gonna be a comedy? Is it gonna yeah. be a, a drama? You know what? What kind yeah. of life do you want? And that is mm -hmm. what is gonna be the movie that ends up coming out. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> the special director's cut. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So my next question for you, Michael, is how can we leave a path for the future generation of creators? In my opinion, it's always just to be upfront and honest with them or to be very free with your time. I've noticed that when people approach me and they ask me questions about podcasting, the they get the best uh, re positive reinforcement or they get the best motivation when I'm honest with them about certain things. When I'm mm. honest with them and say, listen, I know that you think it's really fun and cool, but there are going to be some days where you struggle. You know, are you willing mm. to, to go with that? Are you willing to face those challenges? Are you willing to put out a podcast every week and maybe nobody listens to it? You got to ask yourself mm. these questions. But also, if that is something that you want, I'm right here for you ask me, ask me things, you know, reach out to me. I'm going to give you all the information that I have, especially if there's something that you're serious about. And I just think mm -hmm. that's the best way to help the next generation coming up, just being open with your time, being honest and giving out great advice, especially telling them your experience and the, the ways that you failed along the way to try to prevent them from failing in that same way. I just think okay. that's the most beautiful way to help the next person. Just give them all the game that you've learned. Um, so in your opinion, how can we leave a path for the future generation of creators? Well, I mean, I would say simply write it down, you know, because from my experience, I've, I've come to the conclusion that there are, there are two types of people in this world. You know, like there's there's the one in which you can go straight up to and you can like like how you were saying, you can, you know, be over with and give them the time, give them the advice the information, give them the answers, and they'll be able to sit down with you and create a plan. Here's the objective, and boom, let's go get it. And then you got those other kind of people whom where they, if you sit there and you're honest with them and open with them, they they get egotistical, which is their the natural response is to reject it. And so then you gotta kind of have to play and and you know formulate a plan for these guys. And so. It all depends, I think, what kind of person that the individual is. So I'll just figure, hey, what I can do is I'll just leave it in the book. <laughs> leave it in the book, write it down, and those who are truly interested will find it. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Well, I mean, and that's why you write in these books, right? The art of self-mastery. If someone picks that up and says, the art of self-mastery, I guess maybe this is something I want to read because I do want to master myself, right? 
So it makes it makes a lot of sense. Do you think that that authors have that same thought? Like, do all authors share that universal thought that all the information I have or all the things I've learned about life, I'm going to leave it in this book and whoever picks it up, picks it up? Or do you think that authors write books specifically for one certain type of person? Hmm. I think that I think it's the first one that they'll okay. go with it, uh, you know, based on it, pick it up. Because when, when you think about it, Denzel, it's like everything that we know, say and do is simply someone else's idea regurgitated in another mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would say the first one where they're just going to leave it there. And then, you know, those who want they'll pick it up. But okay. it, yeah, I mean. Everything is just repeating itself over and over, told in different forms and fashions, given from different perspectives. So that's why I also found that, you know, just writing it down, it's the, it's the best policy. Because I, I used to walk around and tell people a lot of things. You know, I, I had a, like I said, I have a, life, a lot of life experiences. So, you know, I, I literally have a lot of solutions for a lot of things. But as I would go and tell people, you know, the, the notion that, who does this guy think he is, you know, would, would come into the way and then it would breed a lot of jealousy and envy and, you know, people working against you and all types of other nonsense. What I sort of think about, you know, if I do a podcast and nobody else ever thinks about starting their own podcast, that maybe I did something wrong. I always want to do mm-hmm. something and leave it for somebody else to pick it up and say, well, Denzel was a guy, he was from the Bronx and you know, people mm-hmm. had their opinions on what the Bronx is like or what the people are like there, but he still persevered and made his own thing. I could do the same thing. You know, I have that talent as well, or I have that belief in myself as well, that I could do the same thing that he did back in mm-hmm. the day. So I always just like to ask that question because people from different walks of life, of course, have different life experiences, as you said. And the way that you perceive the world or the way that you have you know, learn things is different from the way that I've learned things. So Mm -hmm. in my opinion, when, when I first started, I reached out to people and some people turned their back on me. They didn't want to help me at all. They didn't want to give me no advice. And then the people who did stop and took time out of their day and out of their schedule to give me advice, I really took it in and I really appreciated it. So I took that and said, well, if they did that for me, if someone else comes and asks Denzel for something, I have to do that because that's my responsibility as somebody in this space. That's just right, how I right get here. my mentality about it. Right. And then with you, right. you're saying, well, you write it down. That's how people, when people get that information, it's written. There's nobody could change this information. It's going to be nope. there. You pick up yeah. that book, it's going to, all the things that you need to know is in that book. So I just mm-hmm. love that question because so many different people have different opinions on what is the best way to you know, leave a ground for the people coming up behind us. Well, and, and, and it's something that I was told also, like in my early 20s, um, it was that the only thing that's real is what's in black and white. The only things that are documented will last, mm-hmm. you know, and whether it be iPad, uh, podcast documentation, written word documentation, the only things that are real and that will that will persist or continue uh, uh, is what has been documented. True. You know how many things we built as a society based on, you know, uh, predecessors of, of engineering or mathematics or science, et cetera, simply because it was documented in one form or another. That's right. That's right. So very true. 
All right. Yes, so moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is the exact same, except there are no vowels in Neighborhood on Twitter. And every show I do, Michael, I answer questions from the listeners of the show. It's a great way mm-hmm. to keep them involved. It's a great way to keep them engaged and keep them listening. And also, it's a great way to break up just the monotony of you and I talking about the questions that we have prepared. So I would like for you to answer some of the questions that the listeners have sent in, and they could get a better understanding of things that Michael is into or things that you like. So the first question I have for you from the listeners is, what songs are in your current listening rotation? Well, uh... To be honest with you, I'm kind of, I'm kind of outdated when it comes to music, <laughs> man. I'm not gonna lie, but um, I've just been recently, you know, since I was, since now that I have uh, the time again, now finishing my projects, you know, I, I've been updating, and uh, I came across this is old, but it's it's still a good one to me because I put a message, you know, I like to I like to be very thoughtful of the things that I put into my mind, you know, so uh, I will go with um, what is this a uh, uh, nice by the carters you know how it goes like i can yep, do anything baby. yeah yeah and, and especially the part where jay said he said what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail and he said i have no fear of anything and i do everything well Ooh. oh my 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 yes that's how hey and that's how that's how i be feeling dog. for real that's how i feel <laughs> like i can't fail I'm not afraid of none of these mugs. And, and I do it all very well. You know, I do it with flash and flair, full of charisma, all that, man. Yeah. Yeah. That it, You know, it's funny. Uh, the older I get, right, As when I was a kid, you just listen to songs and you just, you know, tapping your head to the beat or stomping your feet, snapping your fingers. But now when I get older, you realize, uh-huh. like you said, right, you write it down. It has to be documented. All the jewels that these musicians be putting in their songs, all the things that you pick up on as you get Mm -hmm. older, you know, as a kid, you don't understand it. You're just a kid. You're just listening to it. You want to dance. You want to have a good time. But now as an adult, right? And you're like you said, the Jay-Z line, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? I'll do everything well. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. if you had that belief in your mind that everything that you touch would be successful, you would believe that you could not be a failure at anything and it's just Mm -hmm. like you how much you learn from these these musicians putting all these life jewels into these songs and it's just like wow like your mind opens up so much yes sir yes sir so my next question for you from the listeners is what is something that you like to do the old-fashioned way um i'd like to say uh i guess well we call it now dating but uh, yeah, online dating is overrated, man. Like it's, <laughs> it's it, it really is. I mean, you got filters up on everything. Chicks show up, don't look anything like a pictures, and I mean, it's all types of nonsense going on here. I like to be able to walk up to something that I think is kind of cute. You know what I'm saying? Spit a little something. You know, it doesn't even matter what it is. Say a little something slick, and then to see what kind of results I get. It's way more fun that way. And then people don't. And you see, I'm a writer, man. So half the time when somebody's uh, 
texting to me or we writing on these little sites, people don't, they're not, they're not typing grammatically correct. And I'm sorry, I never learned to speak nerd. So I don't understand all these emojis and all this extra crap. Spell to say it correctly, man. So I know what you exactly what you mean. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't, you don't want to uh, show up somewhere and you think you're getting Beyonce and then you end up getting, you know, saying Bernard, you, you don't want that yeah, to happen. Denzel, one day, one day this chick showed up and she was bald. I mean, bald. And then she looked like she, I, I don't know what happened. Maybe when she was a kid, she had caught a fish hook by her lip or something like that. But it was half ripped out. Oh, it was nothing like I expected. You talk about disappointed. And then we was texting and we were shooting across the street. And she texted me like, yeah, I just came out the subway. Man, I was like, I'm not even there yet. <laughs> I've seen it from a, <laughs> I seen it from a far, I was like, I'm not even there yet. <laughs> and then I walked past it, acting like it wasn't me. <laughs> and that's what I love to call the baldness and et cetera, you know? And then okay. she did it real slick, like, though, because, like, in her, in her profile picture, she had a cat, and the cat was covering up half her face. Ah. And, and then she had a on. And now, and then it all made sense. She got me. I, I was catfish, bro. I was catfish. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously catfish. That's why I'd rather just do it in person. Because this way you can read, you know, you can read body language. You can hear the tones and pitches of what they mean, and you can respond accordingly. It's a greater rate of success for me. So it's like, uh, you know, once you, but once you meet me in person, I, I, I'm, I'm irresistible. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're the most interested person in the world. That's exactly, right. Man. Yes, sir. <laughs> the most interested person in the world. Don't go on no online dating. They do it in oh, person. Man. Nothing interesting about about the about regular things, about the same things that everybody else is doing. It's nothing special about that. <laughs> you got to do something unique. You know, be extraordinary. That's right. That's right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. And Michael, my last question for you from the listeners is: If you had intro music, what song would it be? When you walk into a room. What track will always needs to play to let people know that you in the building? Hmm. Hey, like I said, I, I, I enjoy the, the older music still. So uh, I would say just for theme music, it would be uh, originally I thought perhaps Pusher Man. I want to say Pusher Man, but I'm going to go with uh, Give Me Your Love by Curtis Mayfield. You know? Yeah. Okay, so when you right when you walking in, you you letting people know what time it is with that. That's right, that's right. And just break down, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and that's when I hit him, hit him with the good foot. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like that. I like that. Well, uh, Michael, I got one final question for you, uh, and uh, this is just where I want you to leave the people with something a little bit to remember you by. Um, what is one thing? that you would like to leave the listeners with today as a piece of advice, a life jewel, or just something very important that you would like to express? All right, I'll give you a life jewel. I'll share with you a piece of advice someone shared with me, which I found to ring true. It was like this. Work hard, do the right thing. And at some point in time, someone will, will come along. <clears throat> Excuse me. At some point in time, someone will come along and see this. And they will help you. That's a good jewel. Cause and you know what's funny? That's true. I remember when true. I um <laughs> when I got when I first started doing interviews, right? I didn't start doing interviews till like episode 
like 25 on my show. And then I did a long time. I did one interview and then I hadn't done one for a really long time. Mm-hmm. When I first started like getting people repeatedly, it was crazy how many people saw how much work I was doing by myself. And mm-hmm. they were like, yo, you did all of this by yourself. You did all of this on your own. And I'd be like, yeah, I didn't think much of it. And they were like, yo, that's amazing. Actually, I want to tell you about this person. I want to tell you about that person. They yeah. helping you because they see how much work you're doing. And they're mm-hmm. like, man, like, this is really awesome. You're doing all this work. It's it's crazy. Like everything that you said today, everything that you've said, I see the parallels and how it has affected me in my life. And then so I really appreciate that, man. I really appreciate no all the stuff that you've given us today. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. All seriousness, though, like that, it's it's a it's a it's a formula. There's many different formulas in this life in which I'm sure a lot of people are not very familiar with. And uh, I'll eventually put them in the, in all of my books. But because my intention is to to share them because I intentionally, you know, walked around from country to country, speaking to as many people as I can, collecting stories so I can find out what is actually true and what isn't, you know, like I said, to be able to pierce through illusions for those who come after me. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a law actually, like one of those universal laws, mm. but, uh, yeah, it, all seriousness, it is definitely true. You'll find it. If you apply it, all you have to do is apply these things. Same like the same, like the ideas and notions in my books. If you apply them, you will see results. That's right. That's right. I like that, man. Well, Michael, it was great, great, great to have you. You lived up to the name, the most interested man in the world. <laughs> you did not sell yourself short on that. I really, really, really appreciate you coming on the show today and talking to us, sharing all that great information. I really appreciate it. And there's nothing left for me to do but to roll out the red carpet for you again. I would love for you to reiterate your name. And I would love for you to reiterate all of the places that the people can reach you. All right, then. So once again, this is Michael Graham. And my you can find any of my books on, well, you can find my books on Amazon, um, Audible, and exclusively. And those titles are The Art of Self-Mastery and Many Habits Equal Big Change. Go out and get them. They change your life. In a good way, <laughs> to be more specific. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And Michael, it is tradition on the Bronx Bias podcast that we allow our guests to choose a song that we end our podcast with. So the honor is yours, my guy. What song would you like to play for the good people out there? Shoot, man, going to give me my theme song. Shoot, what better song than my theme music that give me your love? Why not? All right. All right. Thank you so much again, Michael. I wish you nothing but success in the future. Thank you so much for coming on the show and giving out all that great info. I really appreciate it. Happy New Year. And I wish you again nothing but the best. All right. Hey, Denzel. Thanks a lot. It's really been a pleasure to be on the show. I really appreciate it as well. Round of applause for my guest for today, Michael Graham. Round of applause. And last, let us get into our NFL predictions. So last week's Super Wild Card Weekend, I had a really, really, really good week. I predicted all the games except for one correctly. 
and I was voting with my heart and not my head on that one, choosing the Pittsburgh Steelers, my favorite team, over the Kansas City Chiefs to win. Now, we have to talk about, just briefly, what the Dallas Cowboys did. I knew that they would not win that game. I just knew they wouldn't. It's just something about that team where the moment gets the biggest and brightest, and they're supposed to be the biggest brand in the NFL, and they never come through, ever. They always will let you down. Like Stephen A. says, they are an accident waiting to happen. And a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left in the fourth quarter and no timeouts in a playoff game is one of the dumbest decisions I've seen in a football game. Maybe since the Giants did quarterback sneak on third and nine at their like four yard line this season. And maybe the Seattle Seahawks throwing a a slant route on the one yard line in the Super Bowl against the Patriots instead of giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I think like that was just one of the dumbest things to ever do in a playoff game. For real, for real. I've never seen anything like that. And they had the nerve to be upset with the referees. Like, you know the rule. If you run and the clock is running down and you slide, you get up, the referee has to spot the ball. Everybody who watched football, everybody who played football knows that is the rule. The fact that they chose such a terrible play call and then had the nerve to be upset for the refs doing their job and blaming their loss on the referees is insane. I don't think that Mike McCarthy should keep this job. I really don't know how he got this job. But, I I mean, I don't know what's to give for Dallas. I'm sorry, Cowboys fans. It was great watching them lose because I knew they would lose. And then, you know, when the Cowboys lose, sports talk television, sports podcasts, and sports articles are great because, you know, the media loves the Cowboys but also loves to shit on the Cowboys. I think that's most people's opinions on the Cowboys if they're not fans of the team. We love to see them lose, and I I can't say that I don't. I really enjoy watching them lose. Seeing the fans in the stands, they were crying and everything. It was it was great TV, I will say that. But I don't think that Mike McCarthy should keep this job. I, I mean, I can't, see, you know, I know he signed a five-year deal, so it's possible that he won't. But I think that they even need to hire from within and promote Dan Quinn to the head coach and let Mark McCarthy go or promote Kellen, Kellen Moore to the head coach because this offseason, if they don't do that, some team is going to sign uh, Dan Quinn to a head coaching job because there's mad openings or Kellen Moore. So you rather keep Mike McCarthy or Dan Quinn? I'd rather keep Dan Quinn. He changed that defense. But whatever. Enough about the Cowboys. They're out of here. Um, all the other games, though, it was pretty, pretty, you know, expected. I did not expect Buffalo to whoop New England the way that they did. The score was 47 to 17. I did not expect that. I was thinking they would win like. 17 to 24 or 24 21 something like that i was not expecting such a blowout in that game and i'm glad that the rams did win arizona laid a huge egg but i'm glad that the rams did win because they basically spent all their draft capital for the next like three to four five years for players for this season they went got von miller they went got odell beckham they traded for matthew stafford You know, uh, so they really were pushing their chips to the table. If they would have lost in the first round, it would have been a disaster, a disaster, disaster. So uh, let's get into the divisional round of NFL playoff games for this week. It's only four games on our schedule. So the first game is 
the Cincinnati Bengals against the Tennessee Titans. Now, Derrick Henry, the outstanding running back for the Tennessee Titans, is expected to play. He missed, uh, I would say, maybe nine weeks or ten weeks of the season with a fracture in his foot. Um, so we don't know how healthy he is. But if he is healthy, the Titans are a force because Derrick Henry is one of the most dominant running backs in the NFL currently. Um, but I'm going to take Cincinnati to win this game. I like Joe Barrow. I like Jamar Chase. I like Joe Mixon. The defense last week against the Raiders made a lot of good plays. I just think that Cincinnati has a lot of momentum, and I think that they will win this game. I think that Tennessee's offense is not as powerful as Cincinnati's offense running at top speed unless Derrick Henry is 100% healthy, and I do not believe that he is 100% healthy. I'd say maybe he's 85% if I had to guess. I don't know if that's going to be enough for the Titans to win, so I will take Cincinnati to win this game. The next game. San Francisco 49ers against the Green Bay Packers. This game is expected to be freezing cold. I think the weather is expected to be like three or four degrees or something like that. It's going to be brutal. And they're playing at 8.15 p.m. This game is going to be brutal weather. Um, so I got to take the cold weather team in this. I think that they have the advantage. I know that San Francisco over the last four maybe three or four seasons has owned green bay in the playoffs they beat them twice in the nfc championship game and also they beat them one time in the playoffs uh, like maybe in the first round or something so they have a history of beating green bay whether in san francisco or in green bay i just think that green bay has the weather advantage and aaron Rodgers has been playing amazing um this entire season i just think that green bay is the stronger team and i think that green bay will win Games on Sunday, the first game, Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think this is going to be one of the best games of the weekend. I think this game is going to be down to the wire. Like, this is a game that you do not want to change from at all. You want to just sit and watch the entire game for this one. The Buccaneers have a lot of injuries and a lot of missing players. The Buccaneers lost or Buccaneers had their center last week get hurt. Their, I believe their left tackle get hurt. They have a uh, running back, uh, Leonard Fournette, who's questionable. They lost their great wide receiver, Chris Godwin, to an ACL tear. They lost, uh, of, of course, Antonio Brown, you know, in that whole situation, that fiasco. And Levante David, one of their great linebackers, is also questionable. They have a lot of injuries. The Rams also have a few injuries, but not as much. But I don't know, man. You always, you know, you learn been watching football as long as i have that you never bet against tom brady i just and and they're at home i but i just don't see them being able to overcome all the injuries that they have i know brady's amazing he's the greatest quarterback of all time i'm very comfortable saying that but i just don't know if they have enough to overcome all their injuries the rams pride themselves on a great pass rush aaron donald leonard floyd Von Miller. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have problems on their offensive line, that's going to make a huge headache for Tom Brady. Does not have all of his great wide receivers that he's used to having. Right now, he's dependent on Scotty Miller, Gronk, Mike Evans, which of course can win you a lot of games, but it's just not as good as having uh, Scotty Miller, Gronk, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown, along with OJ Howard and Cameron Braid. It would just be a better thing. And Leonard Fournette. So, 
I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams to win this game. I think that they are going to go into Tampa Bay. That pass rush is going to be dominant. And Matthew Stafford is going to make enough plays to win this game. I'm going to take the Rams in the upset. And the last game on Sunday is the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I've been watching a lot of sports talk this week. I've been seeing a lot of love for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, they deserve it. They've had a great season. Josh Allen is a very fantastic quarterback. But I do not, I'm not buying for one second that the Buffalo Bills are going to go into Arrowhead Stadium and beat the Kansas City Chiefs again. I'm not buying it whatsoever. I don't think that Buffalo is better than Kansas City playing at their best level. I think that Kansas City's defense has taken a lot of steps forward. And the Buffalo Bills is very Josh Allen dependent. Let's say Josh Allen has, let's say, maybe two or three interceptions. I don't think the team is good enough to overcome that. The running game has been very suspect all season, uh, unless it's Josh Allen running the football himself from the quarterback position. I just don't believe, even though Kansas, I mean, Buffalo played extremely well this season and they played extremely well against the Patriots in the first round. I do not believe that they will beat Kansas City. I'm taking Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. Um, And I don't have a score for it, but I just think that Kansas City will win. Um, And lastly, with the NFL, my guy, my man's Ben Roethlisberger. If it was his last game last week against the Kansas City Chiefs in the wild card round where the Steelers did lose, I have to say congratulations, my guy, on a great career. I've been a Steelers fan since I was 10 years old, and he's the only quarterback, really, that I've rooted for, you know, on my team. He's been the starter for the Steelers for 18 years. Congratulations on a fantastic career. You were a great quarterback. Um, I wish we could have won a little more, but I'm not going to complain. He has every major Steelers passing record. And he's won two Super Bowls, been a multiple-time Pro Bowler. In my opinion, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I just want to say congrats, bro, on a great career. It's been great to root for you all these years, rooting for the Steelers. And, um, you know, if that's the way that it ends, I'm, I'm happy with it. He got his last victory in Pittsburgh and Heinz Field. So he got that home love send-off. And um, just congrats, bro, on a, a fantastic career. It's been great rooting for you. It's been great being a Steelers fan, watching you play. And, uh, con- you know, su- much success to you and whatever is next for you, man. I-, I really appreciate you playing for the team and how hard you played, how much you sacrificed your body. And um, just a great player, man. I-, I really appreciate that. I think Steeler Nation loves you. And um, you just had an amazing career. It's been so it's been so great to watch you. You know, I've had the pleasure of seeing you live twice. I saw one of the games you threw six touchdowns against the Indianapolis Colts. It was one of the most amazing stadium like the most amazing football game i've ever seen in my life like he threw six touchdowns in pittsburgh and Hinesfield. i saw that shit live against the indianapolis colts it was amazing and just congratulations man on a great career um and happy retirement man you made it to the end so it's awesome also shout out to my guy mike tomlin we need to give mike tomlin love mike tomlin currently is the coach of the pittsburgh steelers obviously but he is the only black head coach currently in the NFL and the only coach in 15 professional NFL seasons to never have a losing season. I have to make sure that I say that. Big love to my guy Mike Tomlin because 
that is just a, a trajectory of excellence that many people do not get. And you see all these new head coaches get hired. You see that some people who are more deserving never get opportunities. And guys like Cliff Kingsbury and guys like Joe Judge and all these whack dudes get all these chances. But that's something to be said where a guy like Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in 15 seasons as a head coach. So I have to make sure I give my guy love on that. But it's going to be a great week of football. Um, We're almost getting to the end of the season. I'm very excited to see what happens in these games. And uh, let's see. You know, I'm not putting no money on them because I don't know. You know, my NFL predictions be up and down. But I think it's going to be a great week in the NFL, the divisional round of the playoffs. And let's have a great football weekend. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 87 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel. I want to say thank you so much to my guest, Michael Graham, for coming through today. Very much enjoyed talking to you. Much success to you in the future. I want to say thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and supports. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com check it out come fuck with me on there i'm an independent potter from the bxmy so all the support i can receive on the merchandise would be greatly greatly appreciated and i sincerely 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 appreciate every single person who has went and purchased merchandise from me i sincerely appreciate you guys I'm going to fade you out today with a great, great song, which is my guest, Michael Graham's Choice. And it is called Give Me Your Love by Curtis Mayfield off of the album Superfly. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 87. Have a great week. Have a great weekend out there. Be safe. And I'll speak to you guys next week. We are out.
So 